Welcome to We're Not Finished, a podcast presented by the studios of Key West. I'm Gwen Filosa. I'm a reporter at the Miami Herald. The studios is a leading art institution in South Florida. It's located downtown at 533 Eaton Street. For a list of events and more programming like this, go to tskw.org. Joining me now is novelist Kristen Arnett. Her books include White uh, with Teeth. There, I got it right. I'm sorry. And Mostly Dead Things. Kristen, thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you for so much for having me. I do know what your book titles are. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard of you. Um, first of all, you were called an overnight best-selling New York Times best-selling success with Mostly Dead Things. What was it like to ride that? I mean, you're a fantastic writer. You're on you're on Twitter doing stuff, but what was it like to find out? It was very uh, surreal. It didn't feel like a real thing. It's like one of those things where, uh, like, my uh, editor like uh, got in contact with me and uh, like told me about it, and it was it still just didn't feel like a real thing. It doesn't feel like a real thing now. <laughs> Honestly, most of the time, it's just like my day to day. I'm like alone staring at like a computer screen trying to put like one sentence together. So like it's the New York Times bestselling things feels very far away from me most of the time. Um, But it is it's uh, it's it was lovely. It was like one of the the highlights of my entire career. Uh, And uh, I don't know, it was it was shocking. And it just, it has never felt like a real thing. <laughs> That's great. And give us the, or give me the elevator pitch for mostly dead things. I, I, I've heard yeah. it before on, when you're on CNN. It's, I love it. Please. <laughs> yeah. It's um lesbian taxidermist takes over the family taxidermy business after her father commits suicide and it's in Florida. You know, the classic, uh, that classic story. Uh, that, that we all know. It's uh, the beginning of a rom-com. Yeah. <laughs> a rom-com beginning. But it's, um, and talk about, uh, I, I, people probably say, oh, your writing is dark. For me, it's totally normal, like level, pretty average for me. I, but when people say, oh, you know, uh, the, the, the darkness, where, where does that come from? Or how, where do you get your characters to start mm-hmm. off? Yeah, well, I think uh, a lot of the time I am a person who I'm I'm usually trying to make people laugh or I'm thinking about humor all the time. And I think humor takes like, is basically like, for so much of it for me is based in like, just because people are weird and messy. Mm -hmm. And so I think like that can come across sometimes to people as like dark, right? Or like kind of like a black humor or something like that. But in reality, it's just that people are really weird. So if we're writing about like the idiosyncrasies of people, um, and most of the time I'm writing about queer people or gay people, and it's like, they're just as messy, right? We're all just really messy. And there's like flaws to us. And like, I think the ways that we fail is the most interesting to me. So I'm usually trying to write towards human error and human failure. And so I think that that can come across as dark, but I, I also, but I think those are the funniest things. Like those are the realest parts about being a person are the times that we, you know, fuck up. Like that's like the stuff that feels like the most interesting to me. So that's what I feel like I want to write about. And I also think it's just funny. <laughs> it, it's great. It's great. And with teeth, uh, you're, you're kind of going into family dynamics more, right? Is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I wanted to write about, I mean, talking about failure, but I was like, I was interested in writing about like, uh, like queer moms um, in Florida, but I was like, from a, you know, perspective of someone who's just like, not a good mom. I was like, I was like, I, you know, like, I was like, just like everybody, like there's people who are like, sorry, my dog dropped a bone on the floor. Um, people who are good at like being a parent people who are not good parents and I was like I'm interested in like maybe writing about a mother who is first of all just not great at being a mom and doesn't like excel at it um but the pressures like the specific pressures that would be behind that being like a gay mom because you already have people like staring at you waiting for you to mess up Mm -hmm. um especially in like a state that's like you know read a lot like uh Florida um people being like well you shouldn't be a mom. So you're going to mess up. In what way are you going to mess up? And then, you know, other gay people being like, you cannot mess up because you will ruin it for me if you mess up. Um, So there's like a lot of pressure that's like not on like heteronormative kind of relationships with children. And I was interested in that. I was also interested in like great, the idea, like everybody in the household is an unreliable narrator. So it's Uh even when people are all sharing the same stories, um, it's like everybody tells it a different way because that's how they experienced it and their way is the right way that 
that actually happened. Like, what is the truth of like what happens inside of a family? So it was, it was fun to write about, but it was one of those things where it's, it's a deeply uncomfortable book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's like a book too, where people were like, oh, this book was a lot darker than I thought it was going to be. And I was like, welcome to anything I write. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have that humor. And wh- where do you think that comes from? We, you know, we both grew up closeted in, you were in Florida, me in Indiana. And I, I really um, related to the essay you wrote recently for time about, mm-hmm. you know, being that little, for, I'll just talk about me, being that little girl who's like, I, I think I was repressed about being repressed. I didn't know you yeah. could be gay. I just yeah. knew something was different. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I knew something was wrong with me because I was like trying all the time you're trying all the time I mean, I'm talking about from my experience trying all the time to be like the thing I was like why am I not able to be the thing that everybody else has no problem being why is this so hard for me like why does it like constantly feel like I have to just like I was trying to mimic the people around me I was trying to like figure out the way to behave because it was so hard and it didn't come didn't feel like it came like like it wasn't an instinct or an impulse for me um it is like, and I do think like with humor and things like that, like I developed it as like a kind of coping mechanism. I think we do kind of like, mm. right, like self-deprecating humor or like, you know, just a way to make something funny in a situation. I think too, it's like one of those things where it's like, if you are a girl who's not like really into boys or has trouble, like, you know, you can be the funny one. You can be like the one making jokes or something. And then you have, feel like you have a role. Like, I'm like, okay, I can just like make a joke about this. And then it's funny and people aren't uncomfortable. Cause I was like, I'm uncomfortable all the time. I can't stand the thought of like my discomfort making other people uncomfortable. And then they'll know something about me. So if I can make a joke about this, I can like make it so that no one will know there's anything wrong. And then we'll all just deal with the situation. There won't be any kind of conflict, but it is like, I I, like what you were saying, like growing up in Florida and like my family's very deeply evangelical. um, There was no language for that. And the language I had for it was like monster language about queer people. Like it was, those are like perverts or like Mm -hmm. basically like the way that I grew up, like when I did hear about them, I never heard about queer people as a child really, but like, it was like deviancy, right? Like I was like, oh, there's somebody that's like not right and something's wrong with them. And they're like a monster and like, kind of like the, you know, like a boogeyman kind of scary story about it. So like the little bit I did know about queer people, I never would have like applied that to myself. Cause I was like, obviously I'm not a monster. And then I was like, oh, well, like, you know, when you start to like, you know, figure things out about yourself as I was getting older, like I was like, oh my god I'm a monster (laughs) I'm a monster um it's like really tough and so I don't know you develop these kind of coping mechanisms for like workarounds and it's really tough like when you're in a family or a state like writing that piece for time I was like it's already so hard to like come out and do things like that and then to not have a language to speak about it like right like I was like I didn't have access to any of that language to be like here's how I feel here's what I'm trying to figure out because so much of like who we figure out who we are is asking questions um right and if you can't have access to language to ask those kind of questions then it's so hard to like know anything about yourself or you know like to find nuance or to find you know because it's like who we are as people is not like a collection of like this and that like it's like not a binary like that it's like a mix of like really smashed together kind of gray areas and so I don't know it was a piece that I was like I felt really lucky that they let me write that because I felt so it's, it's like heartbreaking to be like, I'm 41 years old now. And I was like, it shouldn't feel like this feeling of being like transported back in time mm-hmm. to when I was like 13 or something and feeling like helpless. And like, I don't have the language and I don't have the words. And to like, know that like there's kids in Florida that are still like in that same space is devastating. It makes your heart break. It's the worst. <laughs> and I, I, I related to it so much. Cause I, I Honestly, I just don't like to think about that either as it grew up, the loneliness and the feeling like, why am I, I just decided I was unlovable and would never yeah. have that. But then college, thank you, college, um, and it was, <laughs> everything fell into place. And I, yeah. I had a girlfriend and I was like, oh my God, I, this is what everyone's talking about. Right. There yeah. was that hope or I, I, I can see that hope, but no, it's just totally um, heartbreak. I think, I think you put it into so the the perfect way of saying you know here was the pain and then here's what happened but here's what people are still dealing with yeah 
Yeah. And it just feels like this, I was like, it shouldn't still be like that. Like it shouldn't uh-huh. be right. Like it shouldn't still be in this like space of like, like limbo where it's like, I can't imagine it was painful. I try not to, I try not to think about those like times in my life either. I mean, I know it's like the stuff that like made me who I am, but I wish like previous me didn't have to deal with that kind of pain or feeling so isolated and lonely. Cause it's like deeply lonely to like, not be able to talk to anybody in your life, especially the people who are supposed to care about you the most, right? Like your family and being at school and like teachers and, you know, people who are supposed to like instruct you and how to like move through and grow in your life and not having like access to have a conversation about stuff like that or to worry that something bad will happen to you if you say something is like, I don't know, I hate, I hate thinking about that, but it is like a thing where it's like, it does, it feels like being in like a time machine and being transported back. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's still the same exact shit. Um, but it is like, I don't know. I do feel like I'm in a space in my life right now where it's like, cause I do, I writing that essay was like, I do have a voice. I have a platform. I have a space to like, be able to talk about stuff like that. Like, you know, little me, like being able to be like, I didn't have access to like, talk to anybody, but like, you know, being asked to write, like as an adult, be like, will you write this piece for time? And it's like, you know, like a major publication, people see it, you know? And it's like, well, well, you know, does it change everybody's minds to see a piece, like a personal opinion piece? Like maybe not, but even if like one person read it and was like, oh, I like have an idea about how this is. And maybe I thought differently beforehand. Um, and I, I, I want to be thoughtful and mindful about using any kind of platform I have for my writing or even my stupid social media to kind of be able to like work towards like change that it feels important um, and that I care about and that is kind. Um, but I don't know. And then I also just make a stupid ravioli joke. So. <laughs> I love that ravioli jokes there. <laughs> I, I first found you on Twitter and um, you have quite a following and I'm still terrified of Twitter. I don't know. I just, <laughs> one wrong. I, 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 do you feel like nervous? Are you on? I mean, I follow you. You usually are. You're, everyone loves you. You don't have. Oh, a, God. I'm a newspaper I, reporter. So I get. Yeah, I think it's easy. It's very easy to say the wrong thing on there because it's not a space for nuance like people have a hard time communicating it's not a tool that's good for like communication like right it's like it's it's very easy for things for people to say to get taken out of context or like a a majority of the time I use it to like just post silly things like jokes or things and but yeah I do like I'm even like mindful of it sometimes I'll even think about a joke I'll be like how could this be like thought about like let me think about the language that I'm using let me think about um you know like how this might be taken and you can't control you literally can't control all of it um but it and it is like very easy for things to get misconstrued and I think it is because it's like how can you have nuance when it's like just like a block of text that can be like kind of any kind of way yeah people like will like kind of uh, deconstruct it like they would like a like I don't know like a freshman comp class like there is a lot of paragraph yeah (laughs) and there's no edit button so you're just got I don't know it but I I know it's a powerful tool of communication I get a lot of my news from Twitter and comedians but it's like I didn't realize till a while a little while ago there's a whole contingent of people that they're just looking for something to the troll thing I I didn't know that was a made-up street perform theater performance yeah it's they scare me yeah I mean there's people I mean it's one of those things where I I try and be thoughtful about it too because I I do have like a large amount of people that follow me and not everybody's kind all the time or even people that don't follow me but if like something gets posted and it goes viral there's people who just like they just want to like be antagonistic or do something. I mean, for me, it's not worth my time to engage. Like I, I right. try to think of it that way. It's like, you know, if somebody says something like nasty or I don't know, like for me, it's like very, very seldom do I engage with that because when, if I do engage with it, the only person that is dealing with that is me. Like I think about it or I, I have to like do the back and forth with it. And it's like, that person is like, it just, I was like, it's, it doesn't give me any kind of pleasure or satisfaction. Um, usually if it's something goes viral, I'll just mute it right away. <laughs> Cause I was like, I don't want to like see whatever weird things people are saying, you know, go with God, enjoy that content. But I was like, I'm not going to be looking at it. 
uh, again. <laughs> I'm so thin-skinned and no one believes it, but I'm like, I don't know how I got into journalism, but um, also kind of, I mean, you're, we both live in South Florida. I live in yeah. Key West. You live in Miami. Yeah. Um, it's a little different than, mm-hmm. you know, there's different parts of Florida, but isn't overall, isn't Florida the gayest state? Is there a state like that's gayer? Very gay. I mean, Florida is so gay. It's got like, that's the thing too, is it's got a lot of different types of gay. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's got like right like it's got like a oh, I mean I'm from Orlando so we have like theme park queers right like you have people that like moved like to Orlando specifically because they love the theme parks that much and I was like that's a specific type of gay person that's like that into Disney um there's also like I don't know I right like if you live in the panhandle it's like they're like south adjacent kind of queer person um I do I think it's like it's I think it's a very gay any any place where you can um have a lot of different mix of like beachwear too. I think it's like different kinds of queer. Like, I don't know. I I think Florida is very gay state. I think we have a ton of gay people in Florida, and it's always shocking to me that we don't have gay spaces. Like I feel like we like like because I mean like specifically in Orlando or like in Miami, there's a lot of like um, you know like cis gay male spots. But there's like like I'm like my girlfriend and I we're like the only dykes in our building. I was like, there's definitely not any lesbians here. I don't know where. Uh, look, Key yeah. West, I'm going to get in so much trouble for a second. I don't see the the queer down here anymore. It's too expensive. But yeah. there, there isn't a lot. I mean, there's very strong, you know, small circle, but there's not a place to go hang out. There's not, yeah. unless it's a bar, but even the bars aren't really that. Mm-hmm. For women, do women just, except for me, do women just not go out anymore? <laughs> Lesbians, queer. <laughs> what are they doing? The single ones, but all yeah. of them. I mean, this is the thing is like, there's just not like, I guess I see like, I'll see people out and about, but there's like, there's not like specific spots. Like in Orlando, there's like one like lesbian night that happens like at Southern, like on Saturday nights and it has like lesbian burlesque. A night. Um, and it's, yeah. And it's like, I know that they like that same burlesque troupe then like on like Friday, I think is like in Tampa. So it's like, okay, like um, like and Tampa can have like our lesbian burlesque on Friday and then like Orlando gets them on Saturday but it's like I was like how is there only like one night a week that's like this specific kind of thing and I was like I it's so shocking to me that there's so many queer people yet there's so few queer spaces right I mean like if you go to like pride or anything there's like a million people there yes. there's a million the gay point. people I, I they're like where are you all week where do I see that's you what I, I always go it's the one day of the year that women go out and say hey I'm yeah home and but I, I don't know I don't know it just seems like everyone's like oh Key West is so I'm like I can't meet anyone but that could be me I don't know <laughs> I don't know that could be me but um have you ever thought of living anywhere else but Florida even for a small amount of time I have I've tried to think about it because I think it's good to like right like be thinking about like I always want to be challenging the way I think about myself and the world around me um, I lived in, I had that fellowship uh, that was out in Vegas, but it was, I knew I was coming back after it was over. So I was like, I was there for like six months and I was like, okay, this is weird. I'm in the desert. I definitely was like, okay, I know I don't want to live in the desert. Um, but uh, cause it was like, everybody was really cool. I had a good time, but I was like, I need like humidity or I'm going to perish. Like I was like, I'd never felt more dry, like a husk of a person in my life than when I was like living in the desert. But I just genuinely enjoy being in Florida I travel a lot for like my writing career um I go to different places all the time I always appreciate a lot of different places like I love the like the Pacific Northwest like Seattle and Portland are very cool um there's a lot of like cool art Austin um and Texas is like super neat there's like a lot of people I know there um I have a lot of good friends that live in New Orleans um and that city is so amazing like so alive and like full of art and also it's warm (laughs) and still has humidity um but yeah and like a bunch of people live in New York and it's like that's where publishing is a lot of the time and like those places are all great when I'm there I don't feel like I'm home Mm -hmm. um I can't like, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent myself. Like when I get home to Florida, I feel good. Um, and as long as I keep having that good feeling, even when I'm mad at stuff happening here, I still feel like I'm where I want to be. Um, so as long as that feeling keeps happening for me, I'm going to keep staying here. Is like my feeling. Like, could, could that change in the future? You know, could, but it's like, I, n- nothing feels like Florida to me like Florida is its own special thing it feels like alive in a way that other places don't feel as alive to me 
That's a good point. And I know you're a Floridian, but I've been here about 11 years and I, I, I like living here. And, it, yeah. and again, I'm very lucky. I'm in Key West. I'm in South Florida, but I've been to the Panhandle and had a great time or yeah. in Jack- Jacksonville. I, I found mm-hmm. interesting. I think in the essay, you mentioned something about, or maybe the New York Times interviewed you about, you know, when you look at, uh, when people look at Florida on TV, God knows what they're seeing yeah. Uh, yeah but living here day to day you you said it's not really I mean I'm good yeah. You know? yeah I mean there's like right like people have an idea about like what Florida is like because they see these like viral like Florida man things you know or they see like you know DeSantis doing something horrible or like Marco Rubio being like a dick like they like I'm like yeah those things are can live in like reality with like a lived experience which is like on a day-to-day thing am I engaging with the fact that like I, I can't live like none none of us can like live like so like in the news or in the moment that like it would just fracture our our minds um like in the day-to-day like living and working and like, moving and like eating and you know just being around people that's just not the majority of a day like it's not it's like okay like and also like right we have communities like the community mm-hmm. of people I surround myself with is like very queer and very creative and like kind and like that's you know, I'm, I'm living in Florida and that's my lived reality is like, that's like the, what I have surrounded myself with because that's like my, my family, like my community that I have like built. I think it's, people have like this very strange way of like taking like whatever part of the news they think is like, and you know, just like exaggerating it to like a, such an in, incredible degree. Like, sure. Like those things are happening, but they happen like simultaneously with just like a lived experience of like, okay, I went to Publix. Like, okay. I like, did my laundry like okay like I played with the dog in my yard or this thing happened and it's like those things can like live in simultaneity like they happen at the same time they can like exist at the same time like and I think people have a hard time like keeping that straight in their head when it comes to Florida like I'm like you live in a state like there's no like every state has stuff like that it's right you know it's like it's not like just this wild wild place where it's like you know like I don't open a closet and like DeSantis falls out of it and does something horrible like you know it's just like (laughs) <laughs> but I, I just um and when some of the goofy the, the harmless goofy uh, kind of quirky stuff I hate that word quirky but anyway I'm proud of that I'm like that's right that's how yeah, we do I mean, it I down here it's an amazing place to like to live and be a creative um yes. it's like the, no other place like when my girlfriend like she like came to live down here with me she had never like been to Florida even before like we started dating and like I think sometimes people like I'll tweet things that like happen here or like weird stuff that happens or just being out and about like right like go out to a bar one night and you know what happens at the bar that night and it's just some be a very Florida thing to have happen or go to like 7-Eleven and have some weird thing happen or be at the beach and have some weird thing happen or you know whatever um I think people think a lot of time I'm like really exaggerating it um and when she moved here she was like oh no this stuff is all real like it's like just <laughs> happens right um like it was like I think it was like her first day there like the next morning I like was like oh come out here and I was like drinking a cup of coffee and I put out the window I'm like look there's like two snakes like having sex (laughs) and she was like okay like good morning I live in Florida now and I was like it's just weird stuff like that it's just like okay like you see it and then it's like that's just like kind of part of the fabric of living in the sunshine state it's a very strange cool place to be I love I love it for my work Yes, I, I do too. Oh, <laughs> rent paid. Um, and finally, wanted to ask, uh, you've always been a 7-Eleven fan. That's your yeah. that's your place. Now you're in Miami. Like, what about Wawa or these other places? I mean, I'm willing to go to some different places. I haven't found like here in Miami, like my 7-Eleven yet, like how I had. I, there's one like by the beach that I like to go to. And that's a good one. But it's kind of like a beach 7-Eleven, you know, like wherever like located. It's like that one's like kind of like catering to this like very beach demographic. And it's good, but it's not like. Like my 7-Eleven in Orlando, like I went there like every day. It was like my cheers. Like I was just like, oh, like I knew everyone that worked there. They all knew me. Like whenever I went in there, I knew I would like be like just in there for a while having a conversation. I would go there after work and kind of like felt like happy hour. I don't know. It was, it was good. Um, But uh, yeah, there's some like that are here. It's still great. Like I, uh, yeah, I guess there's one that's like down here, like over near like Brickle. That place is starting to to, to feel like a little more like mine because I went in there one day and they're the guy who works at the, behind that counter is the best. He like sings, like he sees somebody and he like decides like which song he feels like embodies them. And he'll mm-hmm. sing the song the entire time you're in there. And I love it. I think it's terrific. 
Um, they also have a really good selection of beef jerky. So that's important. <laughs> we have a place, uh, my place is the lime tree in Key West and mm. I spend an inordinate amount of time shopping there. And it is the, I don't know what the word, the great equalizer, because everyone goes there, right? Everyone has yeah. to get, you know, a vape. I don't know. Everyone <laughs> needs milk, but um, Kristen Arnett with teeth, mostly dead things, all kinds of essays. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This was a good time. It was very fun. All right. Take care. today by uh Charisse how are you I'm good how are you good thanks for joining me and uh congratulations you have a new song that's up there and doing very well tell us all about it yeah um thank you very much uh yeah my new song is called Fixer Upper um yeah I released it on May 12th and within you know the first day um it rode the the iTunes country music charts for a little bit, um, about the whole weekend for about three days. I was super excited. Got up to the top 50. Um, but yeah, it's the second song I've ever released and, um, I'm super excited about it. Um, can't wait to play it for everyone this summer. It's, it's great. Now, uh, when did you write the song? Uh, what inspired you on, on this one? Um, this one was just real life experience. Um, I was sitting on my bed and it was like, the way that I write songs, um, it's, it's weird. I, I've found it's kind of weird. I just kind of write them all within like an hour and I just get everything out. It's just like a feeling that I have. And then I'm, I'm done with the song. Um, but I remember I just started the two chords that you hear in the song. Um, and I was like, wow, this kind of sounds like something. Um, I was going through just difficult relationship problems and um, just trying to like communicate with someone you know, saying, hey, these are like things that are going on, you know, in the relationship, can we work on them? But the person just didn't really work on them. And our relationship just kind of fell apart. So I wrote this song, just kind of like relating that to a truck, you know, so this guy has a truck and he keeps on driving it with the engine light on, not changing the oil, the radiators, uh, heating up, you know, all these things like about to blow. And uh, yeah, ends up calling a tow truck because he didn't work on the problem. So um ended up titling it yeah fixer upper and the lick of the song is you had a fixer upper but there's no fixing her now so I love yeah, that's that. pretty much the whole story behind it <laughs> I love that I think I think you're not alone I think people will relate a lot of people will relate and I love the title that's a great fixer upper is a great title so we're gonna we're gonna play this song and uh, we'll come back and talk some more about uh, your career and your work so here's uh, you want to introduce it Oh, yeah. Um, here is a fixer up first song to you by Sharif. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, yeah, the song is on iTunes, Spotify, everything. And yeah, here it goes.
Fixer Upper by Charisse. That uh, this is amazing. You're um you're in Key West. You're a professional musician. You're playing out everywhere, and but you're also a songwriter, and you're you're getting your work out there. What inspires you here? Is is Key West? Uh, I know you're from Mississippi, correct? Yes, I am. And and you've I'm sure you've um, but- could live anywhere. But what what brought you to Key West? That's funny. Actually, um, I have a lot of songs about that, too. But uh, um, I met, it it was a wild story, long story short, um, I met a group of people in Mississippi right before I moved here. And one of the people were moving here to Key West. And they were like, hey, everyone, if you guys ever want to get up and get out of this place, you know, little Mississippi, uh, I'm going to go to Key West. And there's always a couch welcome for anyone, you know. So within uh, two weeks after that, that person left. I was working as a server, waitress, all that stuff bartender and um i had three people tell me within those two weeks that i belonged in key west and i'd never been there looked it up on google um really nice pictures i was like dang heck yeah i belong there so i put my two weeks notice in and i drove to key west with my honda and 800 bucks and my little dog and somehow seven years later i'm here that is i actually i i never really i've been here once but it that I was just on Duval Street with you can imagine what that was. But years later I, I, I really didn't know a soul and I just packed up my Toyota and my dog and I had about eight hundred bucks <laughs> to my name. And uh it worked out. It worked out. And uh and now you you uh helped me you talked to me for a um a bigger story I did on the QS music scene for the Miami Herald. And the the story was basically this is a amazing music scene that just keeps growing tell us about the the music scene and and again is it is key west uh, an inspiration for your music for your is this this is where you took off right oh yeah this is definitely where i took off my inspiration though um i mean i was right after i have a daughter and she's five and she kind of pushed me into this in some way i just started feeling more creative after i had her and i started pulling down my guitar um and for my one birthday uh, I think I was turning like 23 or 24 or something. Um, I pulled out my guitar and all my friends were like, oh, you should try that, you know? So I went downtown to Key West. I'm like, everyone's doing this stuff. I mean, you know, I could probably try. Handed out some business cards and then it ended up working out. But um, the music scene down here is crazy. There's so many different kind of musicians and so many different spots of the island too. Uh, different sounds and from different places. And it's really awesome. Everyone comes together here and I love it. Because I'm gonna be honest, I I'm a lot older than you, and I, I go to the parrot sometimes. <laughs> or I I love music, but I mean I I I'm uh, I don't drink, so I don't I'm not in the bars a lot. So I went out to report this, thinking, okay, I'm gonna hear Sweet Caroline and that one Tom Petty song a thousand times. What I found were just amazingly talented people who, yes, a lot of them have to play Sweet Caroline to pay the bills, but they're they're great. 
um, they're they they're great covers like they kind of reinvent them and they're just so talented and i was i was just stunned at how many people like yourself are making a living doing music yeah we're all as shocked as you are probably that we're able to do this i don't think there's anywhere else in the world that you could really have such a balanced life like this and do what you love like from a musician standpoint and i bet you there's a lot of them out there who can agree with me on that and everyone I met, I, I had to ask the question, you know, so how much do you make here? And uh, everyone's like, yeah, none of your business. But, uh, you know, background, I was told, I mean, there, there's money to be made out there with these, uh, with these um, gigs. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's great because everyone comes here for a good time. QS is a place, you know, to escape and have new experiences and everything like that. And they, um, you know, they, they appreciate the live music here. You know, it's, it's nice. It's, um, and you, there's always fresh new people coming in. So it stays lucrative for us. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's pretty fun. I love all the diversity too. Yeah. And, and again, I, I also just had a great time reporting that story. Oh my gosh. I was out every night for, uh, you know, getting paid to listen to meet musicians. And, <laughs> and, um, I was just, I was, I was also struck by every everybody's so supportive and helpful and because I would honestly think it would a little bit more competitive I'm sure it is in a certain respect but people were like oh he this fellow shared a gig with me or he gave me one of his spots or to help me get started and I was like wow yeah we we all we pretty much all do that um the competitive thing I mean there's really no such thing because it's such a small island I mean there's no reason to compete at all because you're all working at the same places regardless. There's not many more places to go. In a competitive sense, it's definitely not like Nashville where that's very, you know, cutthroat and very, very difficult to do. But here we're just like one big family. Like that's how I got started. Someone was like, here, here's my guitar. You can uh, sing a couple songs on my break and see if they want to hire you. And you know, that's how it started. And I do the same thing, even for people who travel here. I'll, um, if I, you know, someone comes up, they're like, can I please play, you know, can I sing? And sometimes it backfires, but sometimes, you know, I let people play and sing and then they just have a time of their life and they're actually really talented too. So yeah, we're a good community here. And yeah, cause I uh, interviewed you before. It's been a couple of years and it, again, I'm making you repeat yourself. Uh, th- this is where you, you picked up the guitar, right? I mean, you weren't, were you always a musical person? Did you grow up singing? Oh man, I was singing like in front of the TV like three years old, two years old. I have all these home videos. Um, I've always done that. And and my dad taught me like my first guitar chord around seven or eight, but I never really picked up. I picked it up in high school a lot. And then I dropped it for, I don't know, eight, eight years. And then I just picked it up after I had my daughter. That's just great. um, And and started working on that. Yeah. It snowballed. And it's just such a a, a key West success story. And um, of, you know, a person can come here thinking you know and it's everyone I know is an artist in some way everyone I know no matter what their day job is they're doing art they're doing photography in um, in here uh, again you can you can be a full-time musician and um and pay the bills yeah it's it's a win-win <laughs> now um for a fixer upper, tell us, um, it, 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 it's doing very well. Um, what, what's your, uh, what does it feel like to have a song received so quickly? Well, received well, so quickly. Um, I was honestly shocked. Um, it feels really good. It feels, um, I just wasn't expecting it. I feel really shocked over it. Um, cause my first song that I released, you know, I mean, I released it and it was cool. And then I kind of had the same, I mean, you just go to sleep at night and then you wake up and it's just a normal day. That's what I did. And I, I mean, I, I woke up and I'd only maybe marketed the song for what, a week or two before I released it. And um, yeah, it, it was like at number like 83, whenever I woke up on iTunes country charts. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty neat. And then, you know, I posted about it and went up to 51, went up to 48 is what I saw and there was even a rumor someone said that it spiked up to 16 but I didn't see that I don't have no proof of that but top 50 I got up there and it it was super cool and and it rode for a little bit um I was on the top 100 iTunes charts for three days so I mean for me never doing anything I do this all on my own just independent artist 
and I wrote the song entirely myself. It was just really, it kind of inspired me to keep writing more and putting like put more out. That's great. I mean, that's amazing to crack the top 100 on. I mean, there's so many, there's a million people putting songs out there. And, um, and what, what do you think do you, is, is it hard to write these songs that are about personal things or is it therapeutic in a way, or is it simply kind of keeping it real? Like, what's it like to kind of put yourself out there? Well, I usually, I mean, it's, I mean, it's very vulnerable. Um, and at first, I mean, I was nervous, but it's a lot easier for me to write songs if they come from um, emotion or come from life experiences. Like, like, how do you write a story that you've never experienced? Like, versus a story that you have, like, you can get way more in depth with the emotion. So um, I feel like with Fixer Upper, I was really feeling that and it just came out so quick out of nowhere. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm more of a feeling writer. I'm not like, okay, let's sit down and plan a write. I would rather write one good song every few months than a bunch of try hard songs. So I feel like it's, um, and it's, it's an inspired thing. It's like a therapeutic thing, like you said. So I like that. And one thing I love about all art, but especially music, is the connection. Like when I'm at a live show and you're connecting with the audience on this level, of, it's just so exciting, right? Yeah, it, it gets really cool. I've had a lot of different reactions from people. There have been and so many different emotions. I mean, I've seen so many things you could imagine playing music and watching QS like unfold on a Saturday night. <laughs> it's, it's pretty fun. I mean, you'll have someone, you know, who cries whenever you play a song or someone who like screams at the top of their lungs singing or someone who gets angry because they hate the song. Like, <laughs> There's all different kinds of emotions and all different kinds of things. It's, it's fun. I'm, I'm entertained at my job. I love it. I love it. Even my, my, my month long foray into the music scene, I, I saw some, uh, it's everything from I saw a woman just go face forward at Dirty Harry's, which I think is common, and uh, uh, and then I saw people get so excited when they heard their their song or you know anything that was playing um, that they knew and could sing along with. It was I thought that was great, and I'm I'm not a Sweet Caroline fan, but to see people that happy was fine with me. They get so happy, they really do. And I don't, I never play that song. No offense to the song as well. Um, but imagine like, you know, that song, it's like, this is a song that never ends. It's kind of how that is for, you know, those specific songs down here. Like I've probably played Sweet Caroline and Wagon Wheel more times than anyone's ever even heard a song in their life. You know, like, so after a while, it's just redundant. So writing your own songs is really refreshing. You get to connect back to yourself um, instead of trying to do, um, please everyone in front of you because once you like go inward which I've noticed with fixer upper people you know they respond to that and I was it was um it it was great to see that when when singer songwriters like yourself could you know mix in those original songs with whatever people want to hear that they were very well received and people um people love music and I think it's a way to um you know get, get to people seemed really open to hearing original songs even if they're at a bar or a a place where you know they're just there to hear margaritaville is that a song you'll ever play yeah i play it um often but you know like you said you heard covers of musicians playing their songs in their own way there is no way that i could ever play a song the same way that it is on the radio so whenever you can make it uniquely your own like sometimes people do looping and they like put some beats in there. Some people, you know, they just do guitar. Some people play piano, whatever it is, they make it their own. And that's, that's what keeps our sanity with Sweet Caroline, by the way. I, is I love hearing covers. Playing it our own way. Yeah. I love hearing y'all reinvent these songs and making it kind of your own. And I'm going to go on the record. Margaritaville is an amazing song. It's so well-written oh, and it's, yeah. it's a great hook and, it, it is overplayed, and but I mean, I, I don't know how I feel about Sweet Caroline in the same vein. Also, Sharice, I I have never heard the oh, song yeah, Wagon Wheel. <laughs> I've never heard Wagon Wheel. I I don't know that song. Wait, what? I've never Wait, heard it. I I, That's I asked. A joke. There's no way. 
no, the guys at the comedy club really? were like, we have a joke about wagon wheel. And I was like, what, what's that? And they started singing it and they're like, just forget it. And I said, I, where have I been? I know music. Wow. You're the first. Okay. That's actually a joke that I make at my shows. People come up to me and they'll be like, can you play wagon wheel? I'm like, Oh, I've never heard it before. Like just like messing around because everyone's heard that song. Really? I've never met anyone who doesn't know that song. It's like have you a talent, to it yet? but it's a talent I have to, um, I mean, I, I keep up, but I just, and they're like, you know, this song, well, who's, who's famous for singing it? Like who had a hit with it? Um, so there's a bunch of, oh, well, Darius Rucker, I think, Wagon Wheel, right? I'll listen to That's his what version. It was. I so like I know him. that the song wasn't actually written uh, by Darius Rucker, but I think it came from, it was the old Crow Medicine show uh, hmm. where the original people did do it. And they found like a snippet of, gosh, it's a very, very well-known person too, but it's on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, they pretty much only had the chorus to that song written and then they ended up someone found it old crow medicine show found it and they're like hey let's finish this song so they ended up finishing the whole song just from like that little chorus that they had and added onto it and made the whole song and then darius Rucker covered it and it's just living on forever that's a great story i'm sorry i made you talk about wagon wheel on your interview <laughs> just no it, no it. it's literally no it's fine it's a great song i, I genuinely do like singing wagon wheel though yeah i, it I enjoy sounds, that one it's really nice what what the guys at comedy sing to me sounds like a it's not, it, lyrically it holds up for me. <laughs> uh, I'm a big Wilco fan. I probably don't know who they, nobody knows who they are, but um, they're. I've heard of it, but no, I don't. I would love them. They're very, very emotional. The songs are all about death or heartbreak. So I need some more. Beyonce. Oh man, that's sad. I know. I need some more Beyonce <laughs> in my life. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, something. <laughs> and what I always ask. I always ask um, musicians, I have a baby Taylor guitar in my house. I don't have a closet, but it's under the bed. I I don't know how to play it. I tried to look on YouTube and pick out, I mean, can I learn to play the guitar? It just seems so hard. Um, yeah, you can. I used to have a baby <laughs> Taylor. Those are cute. Um, they're really, really small, though. Um, but yeah, oh, you can. It's, it's really all about the, the finger strength and the muscle memory. I don't know if you're left-handed, right-handed, whatever hand it is, probably right-handed. Um, but yeah, it's oh just, goodness. I don't think that you can play guitar the way that any musician does out downtown or anyone that you see live or anyone who plays guitar period professionally uh, without your fingers going through some H-E double hockey sticks, like pain. I remember mine had to bleed to get the calluses for the first time. And wow. that's what it took. It just takes, you know, and I would say it took a solid, like, months before i could actually maybe genuinely decently play a song because you're good you know what you're doing and okay i can go through but can i just learn it off youtube or do you suggest i find a teacher? Yeah. um you can learn it off youtube but i would say for learning like your first very first chords because you're looking at all like six strings and i'm sure you're just like i have no idea you know what to do with my hands how to place it or anything I think it would be easier. I mean, you live on an island full of musicians. If they showed you, you know, just place your fingers, then you could practice it. I'm I'm gonna take your advice. Um, uh, I wanted to ask though. Um, you could probably live wherever you want. Or how do you feel about? Uh, do you do you, you think about it? Like, hey, maybe I'll move to Nashville or New York, or because um, you're doing great here. But I was just curious of uh, what your plans are. Um, well, I have thought about Nashville, but the thing with Nashville is, I mean, it's, it's not lucrative and it's very, it's tough. And with my daughter here, um, it's very stable, very balanced for her. And I couldn't do the, you know, struggling, starving artist thing. That's why I'm really thankful to be in Key West. I mean, if something calls my name and pulls me hard enough to where I got to move in some way for whatever reason it may be, then yeah, I'll leave. But right now, Key West is doing me good, and I don't think I'm done here yet. That's how I feel too. Where it's uh, it's just such a remarkable place to live. I mean, it's so expensive, and I have the heat is coming. So this is the time of year I'm like, why do I live here? As if I don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so amazing. Like I'll I'll walk around sometimes, and I'm like, I live here, and it is inspiring, right? For artistically. 
Oh, yeah. And I forget all the time, like, where I live. Like, it's so easy to get in your head. Or, or for me personally, like, I get in my head a lot. I'll be walking down the street. And then, like, if I stop for a second, I look around. I'm like, dang, I live here, huh? Like, it's, things aren't so bad. Like, it's, it, this place reminds you to live in the present. And I like that. That's a great way to put in the present. And I've learned how to live so small that if I do have to rejoin America, I will... Uh, I could live in a studio. They're huge on the mainland. I was just there. They were like, this is a yeah. studio. I was like, this is a mansion in Key West. But, uh, so, should- yeah, like we live in shoeboxes here and pay mansion prices. <laughs> I, I had an Airbnb and I called my friend. I go, there's three closets here. And she was like, oh, my God. I was like, it's three. That's wild. That is crazy. And they were big. I was like, I could turn one into an office. And she was like, I'm hanging up on you now. Um, but Sharice. You've been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on Fixer Upper. And you also had, um, you have a song called Get Up, right? I remember this because you said. Yeah, that was the first time I came on the show. Yeah, I do have that song. But you told this great uh, story about how, what inspired you to do that. And it stuck with me because I can use all the motivation I can get in life. But can you, can you tell us uh, how that song came about, what it's about? Same. It's actually about the same person. Same relationship. Um, pretty much uh, all the songs that I've written are about um, relationship song wise, are about the same relationship. Um, but yeah, I know I was just so depressed and down with the song uh, whenever I was writing Get Up. And the only thing that got me out of bed was writing that song. And I would listen to it on my little voice recordings and like sing along to myself in the car. I know that sounds really crazy and weird, no, but no, it would, no. I would just lift my own spirit. So I was like, maybe I should put this song out. I could help people out, you know, tell them to get up and, you know, wipe off the mascara off your face. Like you're going to be fine kind of thing. Yeah. Cause I, I just, I remember, I don't remember anything cause I'm old, but I remember you on the radio going, yeah, I just, I said, girl, you got to get up. <laughs> I said to myself. Yeah. I got to get up. I had to get up. I love that. I love that. But Sharice, you've been wonderful. Um, I'll see you around town, probably at Publix. And uh, I hope you can come back soon. Yes, I love Publix. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> going. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to We're Not Finished, a podcast presented by the Studios of Key West. The Studios is a leading art institution in South Florida. It's located downtown at 533 Eaton Street. For a list of events and more programming like this, go to tskw.org.